I want you to give a warm welcome to uh, Wang Rai and his wife, Michelle. And uh, you got your lapel all ready to go, Wang Rai. Good. We're going to, I think he's going to have us see a, a video for a little bit, and then he's going to preach. Just open up your heart, and I'm sure you're going to be blessed this evening. Wang Rai, God bless you. So good to be here this evening. Uh, I'm from the northeastern part of India, very close to Burma. I'm from India. I'm Indian. How <laughs> many people, when I say I'm from India, they say, no, no. <laughs> but the, the mainland Indians looks a bit different from the northeastern part of India. We're very close to Southeast Asia. So the food, the culture, and most of the people looks like me in that part of India. <laughs> and my wife, Michelle, and we, will, we have a small video presentation. We can see that, and then I would also speak after that. We Bama Singamai. That is how Liangwai people in the beautiful mountains of Northeast India say, Hello, friends. My name is Wong Rai Mai, my wife Michelle, and I serve the Lord as Bible translators with Worldview Ministries in the northeastern Indian states of Manipur and Nagaland, close to the border of Myanmar, formerly known as Burma. On the 21st of December in the year 2002, a young Tunkul Naga evangelist by the name of Freddy came to my dormitory and preached the gospel from John 3.16. I was 21 years old, and it was the very first time I clearly understood the gospel, that Christ's life, death, and resurrection was all on my behalf. I understood that I was a helpless sinner in need of grace, and that Saturday evening, I put my trust in Jesus to be my Savior. I am Michelle Nonamai, and from my infancy, I was blessed to hear the gospel repeatedly from my parents and Sunday school teachers. As a very small child, in January of 1986, I clearly understood the gospel, and alone in my bedroom, I called on Jesus with the faith of a child to save me, putting my trust in Him alone. In the year 2011, God wondrously crossed our path through a Bible translation training program in South India. Michelle's arrival in India to coordinate this program at a Bible college was a direct answer to my three-year-long prayer that God would open the way for me to be able to learn the necessary skills required to translate the Bible for my people. We were married in 2014, and in 2015, we launched the Liang Mai Bible Translation Project. Our ministry is primarily focused on Bible translation, as without an accurate translation of God's Word, people have no solid foundation for spiritual growth. We are happy to report that as the New Testament is currently in the fourth and final checking, we expect to release it when we return to Manipur in the spring of 2024. It is our prayer and expectation that we will be able to release the entire Bible in 2026. A second part of our ministry is our Christian school, which we started in 2017 with 17 students ages 3 to 5. Our school has grown to 92 students and it now has classes up to the seventh grade. It is a ministry where each day, every student receives daily instruction from the Bible before studying any other academic subject. We thank God for the many doors it has opened to evangelizing and discipling families. In addition to the ministries of Bible translation and Christian education, God has given me many opportunities to preach at youth camps and other special events and my wife travels with me as often as possible to counsel young women. I also teach a Bible class for church leaders every Monday morning at 
Tragically, since the 3rd of May, 2023, our beautiful state has been torn by a violent civil war between two of the three main ethnic groups living there. This clash has many layers, including ethnic hatred, religious persecution, land disputes, and narcotics. As of October 2023, more than 175 lives have been lost, more than 50,000 people have been displaced, and more than 200 churches have been burned. The suffering is both deep and widespread. Please pray fervently for our state that the violence will end, be a repentance over the bloodshed, and that many people will turn to Christ. As we return to Manipur, our goals are to print and release the New Testament, continue mentoring and developing teachers for the Christian school, and continue evangelism and discipleship in every avenue the Lord provides. We praise God for each of you who have faithfully supported us through prayer, encouragement, and giving over the past years. And we look forward to partnering with every new church that is led by God to join hands with us in reaching the Liangmai people with His Word. You can have a part in what God is doing among the Liangmai as you uphold us before the throne of grace and give as God lays on your heart. Thank you. That's the short video presentation. And thank you, Pastor and the church for allowing us to come today and present our ministry and share what the Lord is doing through us in the northeastern part of India. Uh, the world is becoming so, it's becoming difficult day by day, especially for Christians, for believers. But I am so joyful that I have the living God, Lord Jesus Christ, with me to take care of all those difficulties. And I would continue serving him joyfully in spite of all the difficulties because he did that for me when I was helpless. He died for you. He died for me on the cross of Calvary. And we've got to keep on spreading that and telling the people that that's the reason we are here today. My, my grandparents, my grandfather, my father's father, the generations before they were headhunters. They, they kill each other, lots of war. All the young men in their 15, 20 years of age would fight and kill each other and try to get as many heads as they can. Because whoever gets the most number of heads, they call him a champion. That was how it was, even in my grandfather's time. And many people tried so many things so that they can stop the killings and hunting of the heads. Nothing worked out. Nothing worked out. Many religions came and tried so many things, nothing worked out. Only one thing worked out, the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was in the year 1946. Somebody from another tribe in the state of Manipur came to my tribe, called Liangmai tribe, 1946. My grandfather and his group of friends, six of them, that man from another tribe came and shared something about Christianity and something about Jesus. 
<coughs> but it was not very clear because they did not understand the language that he was speaking very clearly. So my grandfather and his group of friends asked the man from another tribe, so if I and my friends and my wife and my children become a Christian, what are the benefits that we are going to get? Then the man said, oh, if you become a Christian, you don't have to live in the fear of the spirits. They are enemies those days. You don't have to make any more animal sacrifices. Uh, your crops will give good products. There will be no more sickness. So my grandfather and his group of friends decided, okay, we'll become a Christian because we're going to get lots of benefits out of it. So in our culture, if the father of the family becomes something, the mother, the wife, and the children, everybody just follows. That's how many of them, many tribes in that region of India become a Christian. And you can imagine, without truly knowing the gospel, what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary, the finished work of Christ, without depending on that, just hearing something, uh, prosperity, something good, I'm going to get it, and becoming a Christian. You can imagine how would that be. It's same as a religion like the Hindu, the Muslims, and any other religion. There's no difference. <clears throat> but my grandfather was blessed to be able to read the state language called Manipuri. So there was a Bible in the state language. So he started reading the Manipuri Bible, and it took him 40 years, almost 40 years, to truly understand that Jesus died for him, and Jesus is the only way to turn in the life. After 40 years of reading the state Bible language, he accepted Jesus as his savior. And then my grandfather makes sure that my father goes to church regularly without truly teaching him the gospel. So my father has to read the Bible for another 26 years to truly understand the gospel. <laughs> I wish my grandfather has taught him very clearly that Jesus what Jesus has done on the cross. It took him another 26 years. My father came to know Jesus in the year 1999. So my parents wants me to become a medical doctor. In India, most of the parents would want their children to become what they want, what the parents want, not what the children are good in. So they pushed me for medical doctor. So I went to, uh, after my college in Mumbai, in one of the cities of India, I went back to Manipur. They pushed me for a medical doctor. So they put me in a boarding school to get the tuition so that I can go through the pre-medical test. As I was getting ready, it was in 2001. 2000, uh, the man that we saw in the picture, a young man, he came with the Bible, with an English Bible, and he came and preached from John 3.16. There were six of us. When my grandfather was listening to about Jesus from another tribe, there were six of them. When I was listening the preaching from John 3.16 in 2002, that's after many years, 1946, and in 2002, along with my friends, we were six of us. <laughs> he preached from John 3.16. I understood the gospel. And God really worked in my heart, the Holy Spirit worked in my heart, and I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. That is the greatest day in my life. 
has the greatest day in my life. It was Saturday evening, 6.30 p.m., 2002. That evening, I decided, Lord, I want to study your word. Lord, I want to learn your word more and come back and teach my people because my people need you. But my parents says, you have to become a medical doctor. Your grandfather suffered from diabetes. Your mother, uh, grandmother suffered from cancer. Your dad, me, is a diabetes patient. They pushed me for a medical doctor. I said, no, I want to go to Bible college. <laughs> they said, no. I was, in fact, selected for a dentist. And then I said, I was not selected. <laughs> because I really wanted to go to the med, uh, Bible college. They stopped me for seven years. And in 2008, I decided on my own, whether my parents, my mom and dad agrees or not, or my family members, Lord, you have shown me the way. Jesus, you have died for me on the cross. You have saved my life. And I have to reach out to people, especially to my people with your word. And I need to study your word. And I just walk out on myself, leaving my families. I ended up in south, south, southern part of India, in South India Baptist Bible College. In 2008, I started reading the Bible in English. But it was difficult for me to understand everything. So I was wondering if I can have a very good Bible translation in my language. I asked the Lord to help me. So out of... I was so enthusiastic. I was really wanting to translate God's word into the language that my people understand. I started translating from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 15. I thought it would be very easy. <laughs> <laughs> I went till Genesis chapter 1, verse 15, and I found out it's difficult. And I said, Lord, this is difficult. What, what, what should I do so that I can translate your word into my language so that my people can understand, read, get saved, and go? And I asked the Lord, help me, Lord. I want to do this for this people group. 2008, 2009, 2010, I was asking the Lord. And it was in the year 2010. Some men and women from America came to our Bible college. And one morning in the chapel hall, we were around 450 students in the Bible college. Somebody stood up and said, if anyone is interested in Bible translation, we are here to train you. It will take two years. And I said, thank you, Lord, for answering my prayer. <laughs> so they trained me for two years. And one of them was Michelle. At times, she was Miss Michelle. <laughs> she trained me for two years. And she was also read, uh, getting ready to go back to America. And I was getting ready to go back to my place and start sharing the gospel and teach the Bible. But Dr. Filder, the Worldview Ministry President, asked me if I can work with Michelle, assist her for one more year, helping the other students. I said, okay, yes, sir. And we worked together for a year. That's how we came to know each other. And I found out she already has an experience of Bible translation. And I was like, oh, thank you, God. You errands everything so well. You know the need more than me. <laughs> and just things came together. And we married in 2014. We were in the mission field from that year itself. And the Lord is so gracious. He is just so wonderful. 
It's just that sometimes we are not faithful, <laughs> which is very sad. That's how the Lord brought us together. And we started the Bible translation in 2015 with some other group of men. And we did it very carefully and slowly. We don't want to do it fast. People are asking, we want God's word in the language, clear word of God in the language that we understand. When are, we, when are you going to finish? They keep on asking, but well, we don't want to do things in a hurry because this is God's word. If it is some other book I should have done by myself in a year or two and given them, but this is God's word, I cannot take it lightly. So I work with another five men and God has blessed us, God has guided us, God has... God is so gracious, and now the New Testament is in the fourth and final checking process. Hopefully, by, by the month June and July, in the mid of the, when we go back to India, we're going to release the New Testament. Amen. I tell you, you are so privileged and blessed to have a Bible, God's Word, in the language that you understand for so many years. But there are Almost 4,000 languages that doesn't have Bible in the language that they understand. Please do not take it for granted. Read it. Grow in the truth of God's word. I came to America in 2015. We visited many churches and some churches we come and they said, oh, we, I said, oh, you have a big building. There's so many rooms. I love this. And they said, oh, these were all Christian schools. But the students are getting less it's here and it's closing down back home in india where we live the students wants to come to our christian school but we don't have enough space we take students and we tell them wait we will build another room and we will take you next year people are fighting for the christian schools it's different the world is going so bad now but I am always comforted with the word of God, the truth of God's word. It is so comforting. Let's continue reading God's word. That's how the Lord saved me. That's how the Lord brought me to his field. Uh, continue to pray for us so that we can complete the whole Bible by 2027 and give to the people. They are eagerly, they are thirsty for God's word. If I, I can go back and give them English Bible because there are lots of English Bible. If... I give them, if they don't understand the language, it is not going to mean anything for them. That is the reason we started doing the translation. Some people ask me, you don't do church planting? I said, I do. Do you have a church? Do you pastor? No, I don't pastor. I don't have a church. I go to somebody's church. But we are also in the basic ground of doing the church planting. But we want to have his word. We want our church that we start. To the foundation has to be from his word nothing else so this year we go back to India we are shifting to a nearby town because there are lots of Hindu and Muslim people living there so we cannot just we cannot just build a church or a place we are going to rent a room and then we do the Bible translation daytime and morning and evening we reach out door to door to the Hindus and the Muslim people Maybe for three or four years, we would do that. And right after the completion of the Bible translation, it would be a full-fledged church. Please pray that God would work in the hearts of the people who are living in darkness. 
and I am so thankful and my wife and I am so thankful for giving us the privilege of coming here this evening and sharing about what God is doing through us in northeastern part of India and what we do. But let us also look into God's word for a few minutes. It won't be very long. I have the big clock, a very well-designed clock behind. I can see that and, and I like. And I think even the designer who made that is also sitting here. Thank you. That's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> In India, <coughs> when I wear tie and suit and come for preaching, <coughs> many people would say, you are being American. <coughs> So many times what I do is I don't use tie. I use a collar shirt, but sweater and something, and then I don't use, easily use tie in India. But when I come here in America, I see many using, so I start using. But now I found another India here, and I'm very happy tonight. <laughs> yeah. Because when I was teaching in a youth camp, a young girl, 17 years old, came up to me and said, uh, that day I was wearing a jean pen and a t-shirt, a collar t-shirt. He she came up and said to me, why are you wearing jean pants? She asked me. I said, what's wrong? Maybe somebody has told him that we should not wear a jean pen in the church. I was so sad when I heard that. Because we have to be more concerned about the truth of God's word rather than all those rules and regulations that we create ourselves and when we try to be too legal and try to put lots of rules, we are going to mess it up. But if we work in accordance with the word of, with the truth of God's word and build our fellowship, it would grow. It would be very different. And I just told her, explained it to her, and she said, okay, thank you. <laughs> Sometimes some things that are not clearly written in the Bible, we try to push for that and we mess it up which is very sad, but I really want to go with God's word and God's word has become so important to me, to my grandfather, to my father, to my people, and we cannot go anywhere without this. <coughs> Hebrew chapter four, verse 12. <coughs> and I think most of you know this, and for the word of God is quick, and powerful and sharper than two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing as under of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I don't know how you feel and how you feel in your heart when you read God's word. For me, God's word is something very important. It has to be the instruction of my daily living. I cannot go out of it. Because it is something that changed my grandfather who was a headhunter. Nothing could change him. But when he came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and he started reading his word, it is only his word that can change a headhunter, a headhunter to be a humble person again. Amen. The word of God is quick. It is living. It is not dead. Some people say, in our community back home in most region of India, oh, this book is a very old book, it's an old-fashioned book, we need to change some of things. But the revelation is very clear that we cannot add, we cannot remove. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because this is inspired by God. And it is quick, it is living because this is something God has given for the people that he has created. Especially for believers, we have to stick to this word. That's why Joshua says in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from my mouth. He says, he meditates day and night. And he even tells the people of Israelites in Joshua chapter 8 verse 35 and Joshua chapter 20. He was instructing, this cannot go away from us. This book of the law has to lead us. We have to be obedient to every word of God, every command of God. That's how Joshua led the people of Israelites. That's the reason he was able to reach Canaan. And I would encourage you this evening. God's word is quick. It is living. It is not dead. It, it was working in the past. It is working today. It will work in the future. It is alive. It is powerful. It is not inept or inactive. It is powerful. It reaches into the inner secrets of man's mind. It can speak to your heart. It can change your thoughts when you listen to God's word. When you try to listen to yourself, this morning my uncle just texted me through WhatsApp saying that uh, motivational speech. He was telling me, if you fall down 1,000 times, you get up 1,001 times. And I was replying him back, Instead of that, you read God's word. I don't think I'll, if I fall down 1,000 times, I don't think I'll be living anymore on this earth. <laughs> 1,000 times if I fall down. <laughs> I was just texting him back and forth and telling him that you have to listen to God's word. Of course, encouraging and with good words, sometimes it is important, it is good, but it cannot replace God's word. One, uh, Psalm number 147, verse 15 says, he sendeth forth his commandment upon earth. His word runneth very swiftly. Ephesians 6, 17. Take the helmet, I like this, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. For a person who have trusted Jesus as their personal savior, a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, our sword is the word of God. That's called the sword of the spirit in God's word, in the Bible. And that's the helmet of salvation. How do I protect from my beliefs, from other people, from people who teach wrong things? It is through the word of God. It is through the word of God. There are few Bible colleges in India that teach that Jesus is not born of a virgin. Very sad, and they call themselves a Bible college. And they say, Jesus is not born of a virgin. That's, that's, that's very wicked. False, false gospel. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1 onwards, you can see that. There are many false gospels on this earth today. How do we protect from false gospel? Only through the word of God. Because Jesus did himself when he was tempted in Matthew chapter 4. If you see verse 1 to verse 11, when he was tempted, he refers, the word of God says. The word of God says. Jesus himself did that. And here today, if you and I are truly a person who loves the Lord and who is truly born again in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to know that 
all scripture is given an inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Doctrine, what to believe, for reproof, to correct us when we do something wrong, to tell us that something is wrong, for correction, to correct us when we do something wrong, when we're going in the wrong direction, and for instruction in righteousness. That is how are we to live every day. And we can get that in the word of God only. Because it comes from God himself through holy men who were godly human instruments of recording God's message. It came from God. It is God-breed. It is clearly written in 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Peter 1.20. Knowing this first that I tell this to my people a lot. Knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in all time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Because when I grew up, I grew up in a church. I got saved when I was 21 years old. Before I got saved, I went to a church every Sunday, every Friday night. In India, people conduct a Friday service night instead of Wednesday. So there are lots of things, wicked things going on. I was in my 10th grade, I was 17 years old, and a group of women came from a place in our church, and they said, we are sent by God to prophesy something for you. I was not saved that time, I believed them, and they pulled me out from my seat, and they put their hand on my head, and they shook me around and said, God is telling you to prophesy, why are you sitting quietly in your chair? It's like, oh, I don't know what to prophesy. <laughs> they kept on pushing me, pushing me. Finally, I came out in front at the stage, in front of all 400, 500 people. I said so many wicked things, bad things about my parents. I did not know that. I came back home, my mom and dad scolded me for telling so many bad things about them in the church, in front of 400, 500 people. They told me never to do that again. <laughs> In fact, they were also not saved that time. After I joined the Bible college in 2008, I came back in 2012. I called my mom one evening. Mom, please come with me. I'm going to preach from the book of John, John chapter 3 about Nicodemus and Jesus. Please come and listen. It is very important. 2012, I was preaching from John 3.16. Open space, there were thousands of people, and my mom was one of them. And that evening, I was preaching from the story of Nicodemus and Jesus, and then my mom got saved that night, 2012. She accepted Jesus as her personal savior that evening. God's work, when we truly lean to God's word and truly preach and teach, people get saved because the Holy Spirit does the work in their hearts. After I got saved in 2004, what happened, Pastor? I was in Mumbai. So in India, Benihim is a very big thing in India. Yeah, <laughs> I got saved in 2002. I was just two years old, a spiritual baby. 2004, Benihin came to India, and it was a like 60 football field, the space in Mumbai. There were 4.2 million people on the first night of the crusade. Wow. On the first night, he asked. After everything is done, do you want to be anointed by the Holy Spirit? I was still a new Christian. I want to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. I raised my hand. Many thousands of people raised their hands and said, do you want to be anointed? 
Yes, and he did something, some kind of noise, and many people fell down on the ground. I did not. Second time, second time he did, I did not. Third time he did, he was do, about to do the third time. I was, my friend who is a son of a Baptist pastor, a Baptist church pastor, we're praying, Lord, if this is from you, make me to fall down straight on the ground. <laughs> if this is not from you, make me stand straight. Penahin did the third time, many fell down. My friend and I was standing there. We look at each other. This is not from God. <laughs> I was confused with so many teachings. So the only thing that can correct me, the only thing that can teach me how to live righteously is the word of God. The Bible. The Bible. So we need to study. We need to study his word. And we need to... Uh, Rightly divide his word and we must give delusions. We must delusionly read his word every day. If we desire the will of God in our lives, we must regularly and systematically interpret God's word according to its proper meaning and apply to our lives and read it every day. Yeah. You already have a Bible in the language you understand. Yeah. There are thousands of people, millions of people who doesn't have a Bible in the language that they understand. They need it. You have it. But I think many English-speaking people are not very interested in the Bible these days. I'm not telling about you, but I see many people in America. My thought before I came to America was, America is a Christian nation. Not only me. 1.4 billion people in India think America is a Christian nation. But it is sad to see so many people living in darkness. So in America, in India, in every part of the world, we need to continue living righteously in accordance with his word and reach out to every person with the truth of God's word, what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary. So I would encourage you to read God's word and grow, continue growing. He is there to protect us. Let the world go as bad as it can be. Let us continue walk faithfully. Thank you very much. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.